Um, I'm going to still be friends with Andrew, even though he's a weirdo who doesn't take Tylenol. Um, you know, I'm going <laughs> to overlook it. But I'm <laughs> right. And he's going to overlook that. that I am overly medicated. I'm going to overlook your third ear when it sprouts. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that. Welcome into the Harvest Friends to our podcast where we hope to bring you the confidence and clarity that you need to be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of modern life just by looking at the issues, principles, and practices that we all face all the time. I am Abigail Wilson, your editor-in-chief here at Into the Harvest, and I am here with our esteemed leader, Andrew Stroud, project lead at Into the Harvest. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Abby. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. So we've got a pretty exciting show um, this morning. We've got some fun topics to discuss. <laughs> so we're just going to jump right on in because I think we've got some really great things that you guys are going to get into as well. So we're going to start off with our listener question. So this one actually comes from one of our other listener questions, which that happens a lot. You know, we get started on something and it's like, hey, we need to, to hit a, this at a different angle. So this actually came from our show um, 112. So you can go look it up if you haven't already listened to that one. And we had a listener question, which was, should all believers be able to heal and cast out demons? And this person um, responded back to us and was like, hey, you know what you didn't cover is do miracles and signs and wonders <laughs> still happen today? Um, so that's a really fair question. <laughs> so do you wanna um, get this started, Andrew? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think the other question was a little bit easier from my point of view. That's true. Uh, okay. sh- should all believers be able to heal and cast out demons? I think even if you go to the New Testament where those things were happening in the early church uh, days, it's evident that um, not all believers had the gifts of healing. You know, Paul talks about that in uh, 1 Corinthians. So this this question is, I think, a little, a little more sensitive. Um and so the question is, do miracles still happen? Um, does, do healing still happen? Are demons still being cast out? And, you know, last time I think we did a pretty good job of giving short answers. So, so my short answer on this is yes, I, I do believe that uh, healings still happen. Demons, demon possession still happens. Demons being cast out still happen. Uh, miracles still happen. Um, and I, I think for me, the, the issue is emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it's, it's far less common than it's sometimes made out to be. And we tried to touch on that um, on that episode, episode 112, that I think that there are certain uh, streams within Christianity or traditions um, uh, that, that make a big deal out of healings and casting out of demons. Um, in a way that I, I don't think is that they sort of oversell it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, I think that would be my short answer. And uh, I'd love to dig a little deeper into this, but I want to pause and just give you a chance to, uh, to give your take. So what, what do you think when you got this, this question, what, uh, how would you respond to it? Yeah, same a hundred percent. And I agree. It's like one of those things where we can say yes. And then we want to like, <laughs> 
be like, but also do you have 30 minutes to discuss, which we do not have, but, (laughs) but I, I do think absolutely. We see these things happening today. Um, but once again, I, and I, we did also cover this, um, a few weeks ago. Um, we, I, I think the thing to reiterate is that signs and wonders and miracles are always, I'm going to go ahead and say always, which is, you know, usually we never, (laughs) but always pointing to Jesus and glorifying him. So um, I was just reading in the old Testament today about Moses and him being like, "Eh, I really don't want to go and believe people like how they won't know that you're the one sending me. And so he gave him what some some signs. Um, And so even then, like from the very beginning, um, God was really using signs and wonders and then definitely into the New Testament to show authority um, and to show glory to God. Um, So I think that still holds true today. So us using it as kind of a sensationalism thing um, is really when I get like ill, like this, I don't know what this is about. I will say um, that spending time in other countries, not the United States, I saw and um, believe that there's still a lot more of these kind of miraculous things happening. Um, we could also mm. be here all day discussing why we think that is, but um, right. I, that definitely opened my eyes to the fact that uh, God still works in that way. Um, the United States and uh, the way we are cultured wise, um, I feel like these things come up less and less. One thing, Andrew, I've noticed is, and this could be a whole nother tangent. You guys are going to be asking questions off of this one. Probably the more our church, um, and just as believers, we are out in the harvest, the more we are out in the places of lostness, the more we're going to see these things. So that has definitely been true for us. Um, the more we are really out where the people are. Um, and that can be in some pretty, um, lost and sad places. Um, the more we see miraculous things happen, that has just been my experience, but, um, go figure. So that's all I've got. Do you want to add some more though? I feel like you're itching to discuss. <laughs> well, no, I, I like where, where you took that. Cause I do think it's, it's true. Um, on, on several levels, the, the idea that, that, these, these miracles, these signs, these healings, um, were never an end in and of themselves. Um, they were really designed to, to point people to Jesus or to the truth or to, to what God was doing. That was either new or unusual in, in a generation. And a classic example of that, I think is the, is the, the raising of Lazarus, uh, from the dead. And if you remember the story, um, Jesus found out that his good friend Lazarus was sick and that he had been requested to come and heal him because people knew that Jesus was able to heal. He was, he was well-known as a healer uh, by that time. And Jesus purposely chose to delay his visit to Lazarus so that Lazarus could die. Um, that's really what, what happened there, which is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so it sort of like went next level. So now, now Jesus was not just someone who could heal. Uh, Jesus was demonstrating that he was, he was uniquely able to, to give people life, to, to bring people back from the dead. Um, and so that, you know, Jesus didn't go around bringing many people 
back from the dead. He, it was a point that needed to be made. And so it was made. And then in most cases, believers, godly men and women who came to the end of their earthly lives and died, that was it. There, there was no resurrection from the dead. And it didn't mean that anything was wrong. And I think that that's um, one of the dangers of the, the health and he, healing um, strain within the, the Christian tradition is that sometimes health and healing can be tied to, do you have enough faith? If you have enough faith, then, then you'll be healed. And certainly Jesus would often tell people who were healed that go, go in peace. You know, your faith has, has made you well. Um, and so I, I don't want to minimize that there's, there's a definite connection between faith and healing, but I do think that there's um, a danger that we can get into if, if we're, if we're tying those things too closely together, because again, one way to understand miracles is that it's, it's the disruption of the natural order. So it's one of the reasons why it's so shocking is when we see it, we're used to the world working a certain way. And so when we see Jesus walking on water, we know that's not the way water works. Um, you're not supposed to be able to walk on water. Um, and it's so out of place that, um, it shocks us into a place of, of really giving our attention to what is happening here. And so I think that that's true, Abby, what you're saying is um, if we're just sort of going through the motions of our faith and, and we're not in the harvest, then we're probably going to be seeing less and less of that because there's no need. Um, we're not really leaning into uh, the work that God is doing, but but I also, I also just have to say that, you know, I haven't seen miracles, healings. I don't have a lot of stories of, of laying hands on someone and casting out demons. So just from a personal standpoint, um, I believe that it happens. I believe that it's, it's taking place. Yeah. I do agree that it, it, it's probably happening a lot more in parts of the world where we don't have a lot of Christian tradition, Christian resources, um, and an established Christian presence, because it seems that that that's, that's the way signs and wonders happen in the scriptures is they were front loaded when the gospel was making inroads into, into a new place. So yeah. that's, that's my personal opinion. And that's my personal experience on this. I do think that they happen, but I don't think that it's something that I've observed as, as being a big part. I, I certainly don't see it as something that is, um, necessary for making disciples. Um, I, I see disciples being made and that is our mission. Our mission is to yeah, share the sure. message, make disciples. And I think that that is, is possible to do yeah. without the healings and the miracles. Yes. Yes. I, I will say <laughs> like, I, I like legit have, um, an experience that happened like only a few months ago where I was praying for like a bunch of our ladies and just like, mm-hmm. man, God, give them like the passion. It's we're like, you know, all been stuck inside after COVID for all these months and like re re inspire us to just be out in the harvest places and to be outward focused. And we were meeting up at Starbucks, be in the word together and so I'd been praying that beforehand and you know what God did? He sent a lady with a demon and I totally wrote about that on our, yes, on our you blog. did. So go read it, read it. Um, right. and I was like, interesting choice. God did not see that one coming. So yes. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's a weird thing. Also, um, shout out to our friend, Tina, who definitely got healed from being pretty much blind. So 
Well, yes. And I, do we have her story on, on the blog? I, I don't know if we do. I don't think we do. Yeah. Um, but we should do that. <clears throat> Tina, if you're listening, get ready. <laughs> well, and if you want, if you want to read the article, I think if you go to into the harvest.org and there's a little search magnifying glass and you, I think if you type in Starbucks, if I remember or right, demons. <laughs> or demons, yes. I think, um, I think something about Starbucks was in the title, but what, what, yeah. what God taught me at Starbucks about demons. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. So that if people want to go a little bit deeper on this topic, then that's a great place. Yeah. For them to go. And we'll bring you some miracle stories too. Um, you can read my book, uh, the day between a memoir of mm-hmm. miracles. And I'm just like really plugging. So if you want, there. if you want to know about miracles, signs, and wonders, Abby's your girl. Don't, I'm here for you guys. Don't come to Andrew. Andrew's like, what's happening? Is are miracles happening? Anything, guys. I don't think it's happening. Okay. All right. We're gonna move on to something that I know very little about. And Andrew knows a lot. How's that for a segue? So our main topic today is kind of on theme with what we've been talking about, discipleship. Um this idea of when is discipling done? Um, and when can we kind of move people from short-term discipleship into a more long-term discipleship role? Um, and so Andrew brought this up, uh, this last week and I was like, Andrew, I don't know anything about that. So get ready for me to just ask you questions. So I, I really am. I'm just going to like, let you, um, get us started and I'll try to think of something to say. (laughs) Well, like you said, Abby, our, our goal with the show is to help people uh, focus in on issues, principles, practices of being disciples, but also making disciples in modern life, in everyday places. Um, and this, this, isn't necessarily, um, this isn't necessarily limited to just doing that in modern life, but it is something that, that we will have to, to wrestle with, which is as you disciple other people, when do you know that your job as a disciple maker is finished? Mm. And we did talk on our last show about short-term, long-term disciple making and some of the differences in the way that you approach that as the older believer in that relationship. So that, that would be a great place if folks haven't heard that conversation, then that would be maybe a a great precursor to what we're going to talk about today. But today is related because at some point you're, you're graduating out of that short-term discipling relationship. And it doesn't mean that the relationship is ending because you will hopefully have a lifelong uh, friendship and partnership with these people that the Lord has brought into your life. And in many cases you will, Um, but for sure, the dynamic of the relationship is going to change. And as we were briefly discussing this as an idea for this week's show, we talked about the idea of, you know, family settings where, Uh, a child basically leaves the home and starts their own uh, adult life and family. We talked about kicking birds out of the nest. Uh, So that's kind of like the visuals that people can have in their mind for what we want to talk about today is how do you know when that, when you're at that point in the relationship um, where you need to make that shift. So that's what we're going to try to get at here over the next 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I was like, boy, I cannot, I cannot get into this is because a lot of what Brett and I have been called to do is just ministry with military. And so we've gotten really, um, we're, we're happy that the military just does this for us. So whenever they move, we're like, bye, see you later. Like we'll switch (laughs) you over now. But, 
um Brett is such a shepherd he would just like keep everyone in the nest like forever and (laughs) (laughs) it happens right I think we've uh, all yeah. seen, uh, we've all seen uh, real life families where that seems to happen, where it's like fail, fail, failure to launch, I think is a, it was a movie right. a few and years please, back. If you see my 25 year old sons up in my house, like do an intervention. I do not like that going down. So <laughs> Let, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out um, as we go. So I'll, I'll start by like just saying, um, maybe we could start with biblical examples of this, Andrew, of just what do Mm -hmm. we see Jesus doing? Um, What do we not see him doing? Does he have a method to the way he did it? And can we follow it? Yes, we definitely always like to go back to Jesus. Um, We talk about him being the master. Um, He's also the the point of the message that that we share. Um, But I I do believe that he gives us our mission and he's also our model. So that's all of our M words there, yeah. Abigail. Um, and so, yes, he gave us this mission to, to go there for and make disciples of all nations. And that's something that all of us get to be a part of. It's part of what we sometimes call the family business. Jesus was a disciple maker. And then he took those that, those, that first group of disciples and he told them, continue this work, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Um, and I think that that just comes down to us in our generation, that we also um, get to do that. But sometimes we, we think that, okay, we've got this mission. We need to make disciples. How should we do it? And we sort of forget that we have this great model, which is Jesus himself and the way that he went about uh, discipling in, in his own ministry. And again, we actually talked about this on a recent show. We had a, a question uh, how closely should we follow the the model of Jesus? So I don't remember which episode that was, but uh, in the video here on YouTube, I'll, I'll put a card to uh, that video and you can go deeper in that conversation. Uh, but I, I think Jesus was the master of timing his exit. So he, he had three years with his 12 closest disciples. And apparently that was sufficient because when he left and returned back to the father, they continued on with his work and so much so that, you know, church tradition, church history teaches us that um, 10 of those 11 disciples or apostles were willing to die um, in the line of duty, so to speak, that they, they were busy with this mission that Jesus had given them and it actually cost them their lives. Uh, and then the other one, John, um, he stayed with it to the very end. So Jesus, whatever he did in those three years, it worked. It was sufficient to, um, to launch those 11 disciples into a, a lifelong journey of serving him. So what, so what? <laughs> <laughs> I know I felt like I'd been talking for a long time. So I'm like, I'm just going to pause. Just, no, I'm like, no, Andrew, give us the answer. <laughs> yes. That was great. So- Everybody, my face was like, but you didn't tell us. <laughs> Cliffhanger from Andrew. No, yeah. I no. Keep talking. I'm. It's okay. No one's. No one's bothered. <laughs> right. Well, so maybe we'll back into this because because okay. what we, well, what we know that that wasn't necessary was that the apostles had it all together. It's very clear both from the last few chapters when they were with Jesus at the very end of his earthly life, even to Acts chapter one, the very last moment that they're with him, like. As he begins to ascend, he begins to float up into the sky. Um, 
it's clear that they're not quite getting it. They, they are still, they ask him like, Hey, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, and you know, they have to be reminded that, you know, Jesus has to tell them, Hey, that you're focused on the wrong thing. It's not for you to know that, um, but you'll be my witnesses. So, so it isn't, you know, launching people out is, doesn't happen when they're completely trained Mm. or when they have everything figured out. That is a, that is not, if, if that's your goal, you probably will never launch people. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Andrew, like even I did not even thought about it before, but the fact that those disciples um, ended up being mar- martyred, um, that mm-hmm. the Lord allowed that is kind mm-hmm. of crazy. Like he could have had them live a really, really long time. Right. You know, like he took them out of the game, actually. Yeah. So that too really points to this um, yeah. real like momentum forward, um, mm-hmm. and which isn't always how I roll. Like I tend to not roll forward at all. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I think well, that's a really great point. Well, so yeah, go ahead. Well, on this topic, I don't want to, it sounds like you have a question. So try to hang on to that. Okay. But, okay. but on this topic, I mean, if you go to the book of Acts, you start reading, it's very clear that they are learning as they go. So even though they're committed to this mission and they're doing it, and you can really see a lot of parallels between what Peter in particular is doing um, and what Jesus did almost word for word in terms of um, healing, healing people. Um, So it's, it's very interesting, but it's also clear that, that they they still didn't get it. So, you know, the, the whole point of, of Acts 10 with Peter and Cornelius was that the Lord had to really get his attention that this message and this, and this, um, this work of salvation and building the church goes beyond the Jewish people. I'm bringing the Gentiles into this. And that, that was something in Acts 10 and 11 that you see that not only Peter, but the whole church had to wrestle with. And then you get to chapter 15 of Acts and they have to have a council. And their question is, really, what is necessary for someone to be a Christian? Um, and, and it's evident that these are, these are the top people. These, these are the apostles and the elders. And they're having to talk it out. It wasn't like it was super clear that, hey, this is it. We all know the answer to this. They actually talk it out. And I think the way it's worded when they give their final pronouncement, I think it was James who says that it seemed good to us and to the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And that phrase always has stood out to me that they, they didn't say at that moment, they didn't say, well, Jesus clearly told us back at that one scenario. It was something that they were learning as they went. And, and they had a, they had a part to play in that, that it seemed good to them and the Holy spirit to lay no further burden than, than these. Yeah. And I mean, I think that really plays into that idea of a long-term discipleship where people have, have taken flight and you're just getting to kind of, Mm -hmm. um, every so often sort of keep the, keep it going or encourage, or, you know, just touch on a few little things. Um, our mentor, um, came to our church this past week. And so he spoke to, to our church, most of them hadn't even met him before. And so it was really kind of fun. And, um, and it was just so great to be reminded of just, um, how great he has um, helped us over the years. And Hmm. it was just so funny to, to think about how, um, so this is a good story that fits well in this. Um, so twice 
with our mentors, they were like, you know what, we're, uh, we're going to go over here and do some, some stuff, um, and, uh, ministry things. And you guys just keep going, you know, and we're like, okay. And so we <laughs> headed out and like three months later, we're like burnt out and confused and sad and, you know, afraid in a corner. And we would have to like call them up and have them come over and be like, Hey, like we really need to meet with you guys. Like that. So they would have to, they were so patient and we're like, okay. And so then we met with them some more and it happened twice. Bless their hearts. Mm -hmm. We're slow learners. But, um, you know, I think that was probably just part of the Brett and Abigail process of, you know, being a slow learner, but that was them like letting us go out, make some mistakes. Um, and, and, that probably helped us listen more, like be, um, you know, more intentional and also not think that we just had it all together. <laughs> no, I, I actually think that's a very normal story. So, uh, hopefully okay, I don't good. know if that's encouraging. Right. <laughs> and I actually, um, I, I've got a little visual that, that maybe I can attach to the notes of this show, but it's called, um, the, uh, the growth process. Cause that's really what you're describing is. Yeah. So we're talking, maybe, maybe we're talking about two things here is one, mm-hmm. what, what needs to be in place in the next generation so yeah. that we can basically sign off, so mm-hmm. to speak, and, and yeah. realize that they've got it. Yeah. Like, what are um, we looking for? Yeah. And then the process is, well, how do we figure out if they're there? And I do think that, um, so, so quickly, the, the three part, uh, the three stages of discipling in stage one, um, I describe this primarily as, as a teaching phase that you're really just inputting, um, the, the, the message of the kingdom is, is yeah. what Jesus describes it, describes it as. So there's a lot of teaching and there's a lot of listening and absorbing that happens in stage one. It, it's very directive stage. Stage two is more training and that's where they are helping you. So they're, they're involved with the work. Um, they, but you're still in a sense, uh, driving the ship. And if you get stuck, you know, they can look to you and, and, and you can help them get unstuck. And then in stage three, there's really leading, um, is, is the emphasis there. And so that's where they're on their own. So they're doing these short-term assignments or missions. Um, but you're still close enough that they can either call you in, in an emergency, uh, or even revert back, um, under their, under their leadership for a time. And I do think that that process is really important that it can't just be, if you only and, and most of our churches, we're only moving in, in stage one, we're only teaching. Mm. And so we're not really getting the chance to see how people um, are able to work through issues, work through setbacks, challenges, which is really what you only get if you're observing them in, in stages two and three. So sounds like that's something that you guys had. I know we had some similar experiences yeah. when we were being discipled. Yeah. And um, it was taught to us that we were being mauled which sounds very violent it and it is, <laughs> but it's the, just an acronym. Of course, um, uh-huh. the M stands for model, which is the teaching portion. And then a stands for assist. Um, the W is watch. So that's more like you're there, but you're very hands off. And then mm-hmm. the, the L, which is clearly what we suffer at doing is leave like straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. So I think those, um, both really, those pictures are good. Um, <laughs> So do you like have a, an easy answer for when, you know, when yeah, you I'm going to, the Holy spirit has to tell you we're running short on time. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, yes, I, I think I do. And we could go, we could go more in depth on this, but okay. the, the test is 
uh, and what you're trying to figure out is that if you were not physically present with them, would they be able to continue on in, in the work of following Jesus and helping others follow him? Uh, I think that was when, when Jesus got to the point with the 12, where he realized that he could, it wasn't that they had everything figured out, that there wasn't many, many more lessons to learn, but he could leave, return to the father, and they had enough commitment, understanding, and capability that they could continue on the work and they would, they would grow as, as they go. Um, and so even in my own life, I can remember a moment, a very clear moment when I had been getting discipled by um, the, the gentleman who really invested in me for seven years, but I think it was probably three or four years in, I, I don't know exactly, but I, I remember the moment when I realized and I don't know if a scandal had happened where a Christian leader had, had fallen or something, but I thought, what if, what if this guy that I really admire and look up to that I've been learning from, what if he just totally walked away from the faith, either for a moral reason, or he just said, you know what? I don't, I don't believe this anymore. Um, and I realized I would keep going. Like my commitment to this is not based on the, the personalities or the human people that I've been learning with and, and serving alongside it's, it's rooted in Jesus and my conviction that this is true. This is what God has called me to. And so you're trying to discern that in the next generation yeah. is, do they have that commitment? And, and then are they able to articulate the message and the mission without you? And then do they have some basic capabilities, some skills that would enable them to, to make disciples? So I think you're looking at those three areas okay. um, and can they, can they carry on without you there? Yeah. yeah. So, so Jesus good. actually left. Um, and I think sometimes we have to physically leave. Um, mm-hmm. And then the sometimes army makes them leave. the army makes them leave. So I think that's, that's something that people can, can hopefully think about. And we'd love to hear from, from our listeners, what, what you think about this and are there yeah. ways that we could communicate it uh, better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for just really, um, holding that up for me. I appreciate it. Um, and I learned a lot, which is always fun. So, um, but before we go, we just have a little bit of time left, but we want to, um, talk about a super controversial part of, um, our faith and culture section. Um, uh, it was a while ago that Keith and I actually talked about COVID vaccines. Um, Andrew missed that episode. And I think that he was just jealous and wanted to talk about COVID again. So he, uh, so Andrew right. wants his, his day in the sun. Um, so we're going to talk about the COVID mandates and how Christians should be responding to that. Um, mm. Spicy. So we're gonna, yeah, we're going to talk about that just for a few minutes. Yeah. So, so at the time that you and Keith talked about it, um, were you guys discussing mandates or just the vaccines no. in general? We were just talking about um, how Christians should be uh, just reacting to the vaccine. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, the right. interesting thing, um, spoiler there in that episode is that neither one of us told the audience what we had decided to do. We like really played it. On the <laughs> um, and I got several people messaging me privately and we're like, Ooh. no, but really, what did you do? Right. Right. <laughs> I feel like this, yeah. this is almost like going back to the, the healing, um, yeah segment at the, at the beginning of this show. I, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Should we just, I would love to just talk about like, Hey, this is how we're trying to navigate this. Yeah. Um, on a very personal level, because 
Okay. That's actually where I would start with. I would say in first Corinthians, Paul makes a, um, a statement as he's writing. He, he makes it very clear that, Hey, this is me speaking. This is not the Lord. I forget exactly how he words it, but mm-hmm. so he's like, I'm giving you my take. Now he said, I, I think that I've got some things figured out. Um, <laughs> but that's how going. <laughs> that's how I like this segment. Cause I am not, there's not a verse or a passage that I'm going to take people to, to say, oh. this is how you should be thinking about the vaccine or, or vaccine mandates. Um, this is more of, Hey, here's, here's how I'm trying to navigate this. Um, personally, these are my thoughts on a very personal level. This isn't something that I would necessarily advocate that everyone. I don't love this. I don't want to be personal at all, but okay, fine. (laughs) All right. So, so have you and Brett, I mean, Brett is actually, he's working. So have you guys been vaccinated? Yeah. So Brett is in the military and he was vaccinated pretty early because of that. Um, like he was one of the first, it was like old people and Brett got vaccinated. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so that happened and he is alive to, and well today. Um, and he also got COVID. So, uh, he got the Delta variant. Oh, okay. Uh, so it did not protect him from that fully. Right. Um, I think the other thing, I, I did get vaccinated as well. I got it after I had gotten COVID. Um, and so, um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, boy, that was horrible. And I don't want to ever have it that badly again. So I did get vaccinated. Mm. So what was worse for you was, was COVID actually oh, having COVID was worse. And then the vaccine COVID was way worse than the vaccine. Um, I, the second dose of my vaccine, um, I had to take like a really long nap. Mm. um after but i really did not have terrible results but guys everybody has like really really different results to both covid and to um the vaccine uh the one other thing that is probably really important for people to know about me and my decisions are based off of the fact that my father-in-law passed away from covid and Mm -hmm. he was unvaccinated and in really superb shape and uh he was um, it was really shocking and really yeah. sad. So I think that people should know that those types of things affect yeah. your, your thoughts. Okay, Andrew, sure. you're up. Well, one last question. Okay. Um, what, what, right. No, no. I mean, did you get, what, what vaccine did you guys get? Oh, Pfizer. So for both of you? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. I, yeah, I picked okay. myself in the breath. Uh, I think so. Yeah. If, if that's not the case, then I will put it in the show notes, what Brett did, but, um, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, mine may be shorter. I don't know. Like I have not been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very much by choice. Um, it isn't, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying like, there's, I don't have any, like, I don't have like a, um, a religious conviction. Oh, like right. I, I don't think I would have a clear conscience to, to, Cause it's really just my choice. I don't want to get vaccinated. Um, it, it isn't that I think I'll be sinning or like, if I appeal, if I actually signed up for like a religious exemption, I actually feel like I would be say. sinning. <laughs> right. Because it would not be true. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't personally see getting the vaccine as something sinful. Um, I just don't want to get it. So, and, and I think I've shared this. Uh, a lot of people know me. I, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty strong about, um, just not wanting to take a lot of medications mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or vaccines. Like, you know, whenever I get my physical, they've always wanted me to get the flu vaccine. I haven't wanted to do it. So yes. I just try not to take in a lot of um, pharmaceuticals or, or uh, man-made medicines in general. Yeah. Um, and just, just uh, as an example, I guess, to, to like, I don't think I've had Tylenol, Abby, or aspirin or cold medicine what? in like 15 years. So when I say like, I don't, I don't do medicine, I, I have not I done like medicine. You never really get sick either. I think you've been right. sick once in the, the years that we've been doing into the harvest, you have been sick one time that I can yeah. So my, my take on this is that is a very personal take that I do try to stay in shape. And when I, when I do get sick, I really, I try to work through it. I try to let my body work through it. And I've been able to do that. So in my mind with the vaccines, it's, mm. it's, Hey, uh, I don't normally take these anyways. Right. I'm, I'm looking at, um, how this virus is affecting people and who it seems to be affecting most severely. And I know that there's exceptions, but for me, it, it's very much a, a very, on a personal level, a risk a risk assessment, you know, yeah. what, what do I think, uh, would make sense for me personally. And so, uh, I think, um, that's how I am currently navigating the vaccine. I also feel like if I get the vaccine, um, a year and a half, two years after it first releases, there's just that much more data uh, chances for sure. it to be improved. So it's like, I don't feel like there's an, a rush or an urgency for me to get it. Right. Um, yeah. So that's the vaccine, which I think might be interesting for people to, uh, to know, but we also wanted to talk about the mandates. Cause that's actually kind of the, yeah. it's really, I think a separate issue Yeah, uh, and, so and it's, yeah. Let's, let's, um, let's carry that a little bit further. Yeah. If into the harvest, if our board, <laughs> Oh boy, like Andrew, um, we're going to need you to go on down there because you're an asset to us. And we feel like we've, we over here have done some different calculations and we think <laughs> better, if, you know, whatever. And so right. what if it was man, like, how do you react to that as a believer? Oh man, as a believer, I think if you would have said, just how do I react to that? I don't know. Okay, it, well, it... <laughs> I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad and disappointed in you that I had to add as a believer, but okay. <laughs> well, I, I guess because like, again, like I don't feel like it's a spiritual issue in the sense of, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the board like, Hey, there's this passage that I, but I, I, I would say that, um, it would be really hard for me. Mm. It would be really hard for me to, to go down that road because I do, I feel like in our society right now, we've got this, this battle between fear. Mm -hmm. And I think on the one hand, there are people who really fear the virus and therefore that's, that's leading them to push mandates. Like everyone right. needs to get that's vaccinated it. because I'm really oversimplifying this, but everyone needs to get vaccinated. So I'm safe because I I'm fearful. Mm -hmm. And then I think on the other side, there are people who are very fearful of the vaccine. Right. So it's still fear, but they're fearful that either the vaccine is going to uh, hurt them or, or make their lives worse than if they didn't have it. Or they're fearful that, um, I think this is less the case, but I do think that there are people who are fearful that mandating the vaccine pushes us into a new place in the way we, we govern and, and the way we um, 
yeah. demand that citizens behave in a certain way. So, but either way, I think it's, it's fear-based. Yeah. And so I would really want to have a conversation with the poor to say, what's driving this? Like, why, <laughs> why do you feel this way? Because I just don't see the like threat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree. I mean, I think, um, it's, it's very, uh, you know, with the military, for instance, right. um, I kind of think it's such a political thing because, um, man, in our time as active duty, like Brett got shot up with all kinds of experiments. Exactly. Stuff. Like, so right. for us to get super dramatic now is like, right. come on now. but, um, you know, in, in private business sectors, I mean, that's still very political and people are definitely getting mm-hmm. fear fear from whichever side they picked. Um, and I think really as believers, uh, we've got to decide, like, I think if it were, if it were me, so if the board were Mm -hmm. like, and let's just pretend I was you in the scenario and I hadn't got vaccinated and they were like, Abigail, we need you to do it. I think Mm -hmm. I would have to come down to, okay, what's more important? Like, um, am I really called to into the harvest? Like, is this the job that I'm supposed to be doing? And if Mm -hmm. so, do I trust the Lord that I'm going to get this shot in my arm and I'm going to be okay. And honestly, that's actually how I reacted to the vaccine anyway. Like that's one of the reasons I got it. We had people in our church who really, really felt strongly mm-hmm. about the vaccine. And yeah. I wanted to um, make them feel comfortable because right. I, that was the most important thing to me. So I, I would say yeah. in response and to all these things are what's really important here and is, you know, I'm going to be willing to probably do it or not do it based on what we're going yeah. I'm just not that. Yeah. And that I'm, makes... I'm sure you're all going to send us articles. So oh, yeah. send me articles <laughs> about why I'm going to grow another ear and some people are going to send. <laughs> well, I hope what people, I hope what people get out of this maybe more than anything is that this is something that, that all of us are wrestling with. Um, and I do think like in, in that scenario, Abigail, yeah, to me, it's not, it's not that I would never get the vaccine. Yeah. Um, to me, I'm, I'm constantly doing the math of does it, does this make sense or does a or B make sense at, at this, at this point yeah. in life? And I think if it was a, if it was a place where, um, it was clearly limiting my opportunity to, to move forward in the mission that, that God has called me to, I, I don't see from what I understand, uh, I haven't seen that. I, I wouldn't feel greatly fearful of getting the vaccine. Um, like I'm going to die if I get this vaccine. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that that's something that, that I would absolutely consider. So I'm not a never vaxxer. Um, and I, I, I've never been an anti-vaxxer, even though I, I personally try not to, to take medicines. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I was diagnosed with uh, cancer, I, I would absolutely, you know, take, yeah. take the, uh, the meds that, that could help fight that. Yeah. Um, I just think that for generally speaking, um, there are a lot of ways to be healthy. And right. I, I do think that in the U S we're, we're very dependent on drugs mm-hmm. and that's, that's the impulse. Yeah. Is and to, I uh, think what people should take from this conversation is that, you know, you got two people right here and we right. have, you know, our own opinions, our own way of doing things. In the end, you know, we're still about the same ultimate goal. Um, I'm going to still be friends with Andrew, even though he's a weirdo who doesn't take Tylenol. Um, you know, I'm going <laughs> to overlook it. But I'm <laughs> right. And he's going to overlook that. that I am overly medicated. I'm going to overlook your third ear when it sprouts. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll talk about that. When it sprouts, I will pull my hair. That's why I've been wearing my hair down. Spoiler. <laughs> All right, guys, we've gone way over time. It's been tons of fun. Um, we hope that this episode blessed you, encouraged you, gave you more questions to ask us. We can't wait to hear from you on all the things we've talked about and we'll see you next time. 